Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, pull up, ball to the five, touchdown, Tampa Bay. My Gubbins does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up with it. Hands in the Your final score from Mercedes-Benz Stadium is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers clinch a very important division win over the Atlanta Falcons and emerge victorious. They improve their record on the season to 6-7 and seven after some late-game heroics from Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers offense, and uh, luckily the defense coming up big to stop Desmond Ritter and a driving Falcons offense from a repeat of what we saw in Houston against C.J. Stroud a couple of weeks ago. This time, the Buccaneers emerge victorious, and they keep their postseason dreams alive. Bucks win. Welcome back to the Can of Fire podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Evan, we're live on YouTube today taking some calls. Phones are open, 305-224-1968. The meeting ID for today's show, 832-4412-7759. How you feeling, friend? Yeah, I mean, hey, that was, uh, well, based on the first, honestly, I thought there was a part of me, right, that when the Bucks were down three, I was like, all right, I was like, and they were driving, right? I didn't know if they were going to score a touchdown. But I was like, man, they are, they're going to kick the field goal. And I'm like, we're going to have to talk about a tie, aren't we? I was like, this is how that game is going to end because why else wouldn't it end that way, right? Uh, I just, I thought we were going to be talking about a tie. Um, but no, I mean, obviously a huge win for, you know, Baker Mayfield, especially the way they won, uh, especially for Baker Mayfield. Um, a big win for Todd Bowles, of course. And, um, you know, they they made the plays. Obviously, we'll get into it. Did they play their best game? No, like not at all. And neither team really, you know, it should probably should have been a tie, if you want me honest, because I don't think either team really deserved to win today. But uh, the Buccaneers made just one more play than the Falcons offense did. And uh, at the end of the day, that was it. So uh, I think the biggest thing is no turnovers for, for, from the Buccaneers offense and no turnovers from Baker Mayfield. I think that's the biggest thing from today. And uh, I think that's a big reason they won. I think if, if there was a single turnover for the Bucks offense, I'm not sure this is the result that you, you get. So uh, I think it was just key to limit those turnovers and create your own. So on defense and um, yeah, I mean, just a massive, massive win. And now it's, it's all eyes on the next you know final four games here. Yeah, it seemed like through the first three and a half quarters, the defense was the only reason the Bucs were in this game. It was kind of a weird day because, again, like you said, I don't think on either side, either side of the football the Bucs played their best ball today by any means. The offense was uh, fairly non-productive for, for most of the game, I would say. You know, had a couple of big plays in the beginning and obviously made the plays that counted in the game-winning drive there in late in the fourth quarter, but... Aside from that, they were kind of underwhelming. And the defense, they were leaky at points today. Obviously allowed more points than they did to Atlanta last time these two teams played. But a couple of big-time turnovers and a safety in the end zone. We'll talk about all of that. Keeps the Buccaneers ahead in this one. But let's talk about the quarterback first and dive into Baker Mayfield's day. 14 for 29, 144 yards, two touchdowns. 
And then the game-winning drive, the touchdown to Kate Otten, which Kate Otten also caught the game-winning touchdown, well, what could have been the game-winning touchdown against Houston, and the defense couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. So he finally gets his this week. No turnovers for Baker, but I got to say there were a couple of points in this game, especially in the second and third quarter when the offense just wasn't doing very much. Just a bad rhythm for Baker to be in. He was missing a lot of throws. At one point, I think missed seven out of eight targets sometime in the third quarter. Wasn't getting a lot of help from this run game. Some bad play calls. We can also talk about that when we grade the offensive performance, but we'll focus on the quarterback first. Your thoughts on Baker today? Yeah, I mean, really bad until the final drive, really. I mean, I don't even think, like, it was the final drive. Like, like to me, that was it. And honestly, it's the final drive. He wasn't that great. I mean, he there was the time that the broadcast had said he missed six of his last seven throws. That was on that final drive. Um, so, I mean, really, I wouldn't even say an up and down. I would say not a very good day, but he made the throws when he needed to. Um Will it work against better teams? Probably not. And Atlanta has a good defense. But at the same time, like, will that work these next four games? I don't know. I don't know how many times you're going to be able to live like that. Um, It it creates this issue now, right, of where you're debating on bringing back Baker Mayfield because there's the good, but then there's the bad. And it's basically can you win consistently with the guy and stuff like that is what makes things tough, and it's what drives the conversation of should they, will they, you know, um, should they or shouldn't they. It's tough because you see the good, but at the same time, 90% of that game was pretty bad. I mean, the only thing he didn't do bad was turn the ball over. Like, that's the only thing he didn't do. Uh, And it was obviously a huge key, and props to him for it, but because, I mean, he had last week, he had that that interception, and not last week, the last time against Atlanta. He had that late fourth quarter interception. That was a killer. And for him to limit those is huge. At the same time, though, yeah, I, I don't think he, he played very well at all. Um, but kudos to him, the throw to Godwin. Um, and then obviously that throw to Kate Otten there was just, you know, two massive throws. And those are the only ones that really count at the end of the day. So um, while you're you're going to be looking for a better performance, because like that's probably not going to fly even next week up in Green Bay. Like it's probably not going to work. Um, still, you know, pretty pretty positive ending for Baker Mayfield when uh, it capped off a pretty brutal day. And if if they would have lost that game, if that you know Godwin catch doesn't happen, you know we're having some serious different discussions right now. And uh, yeah, I just you know it, it's the Baker Mayfield thing. It's that inconsistency, and that's what makes things tough. I'd say a lot of the problems we saw today are the same problems we've seen all season. In the third quarter, had a ball batted down at the line of scrimmage. Uh, in the fourth quarter, missed a wide-open Mike Evans. You just you, you can't let that happen. A couple of throws today got away from him, and I'm sure he'd want him back. And we've seen it week in and week out. Again, it's good that he didn't record a turnover today. The Bucks played well. They won the turnover battle, which, uh, again, you love to see a couple of close calls especially with the Rashad White call there at the end of the game. But, uh, you you know, they come out on top in the turnover battle, but I agree. I I think today what we saw from Baker, it's going to continue the conversation of, is this a guy that you can win with? Is this a guy that you can make a long postseason run with? And so far in the 2023 season, I, I feel like even when he's playing his best football, even when we have seen the ceiling that he can have in this offense, I don't know. You're you're still kind of left. Uh, you're still kind of left guessing what's going to happen after that. But we got our first call of the show. You're on the Can of Fire podcast live. What's your name? 
And so far in the hello? season, I, I feel like he's... Hello, hello? Hello, hello, hello. This is Bobby. Hey, Bobby, what's up, man? How Can you, you hear feeling? me? Yep, we got you now. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've been trying to get in a couple of different times, but is it just me or do we just look like dysfunction at every turn? I mean, it's like we, it's, it's almost like we, we throw these same routes, we run these same design runs four or five times, and then maybe the sixth time it'll finally work. It's like we're, we're looking up making plays instead of executing and putting the pressure on the defense. They had four replacement offensive linemen today, and we did not attack them. I, 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 it just seems, I, is it just me? No, no, I, it, it it's not just you, and I mean, I think that's that's part of the reason for the the struggles on offense. And uh, you know, I I do found what you know what you said interesting about how not really executing sometimes it's more so luck. And I I think they go hand in hand. I think you have to execute sometimes, but you also got to be lucky. Um, and every team in the NFL, you know, every contender you know has luck. And I'm not saying the Bucks are a contender. I know there's going to be some saying they're not a you know, but um, you know, this offense right now for what it is. Um, they got the job done today against a pretty stingy defense. They did, and, and I, and I want to give the Falcons their kudos. for. And I know they're a top-10 defense, but it, 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 just seems that, it just seems to me that other teams scheme to take advantage of our weaknesses and to put us in bad positions. But it's like we're just trying to do something and see if it works. I mean, offense, defense, special teams, uh, Carlton Davis finally made a, a couple of plays today. I was ready to cut him. <laughs> but, I mean, he he finally made a couple of plays today. Uh, Tryon, JTS just keeps getting exposed. Kansas uh, is playing great, but he can't he can't hold the whole team up, you know. Yeah, I thought, I, and honestly... I can't put my finger on the problem. I thought, honestly, for all the young guys out there on defense, you know, they got Levante David back, but no Vita Vea. That was a big loss today. I thought they were better than I expected them to be on defense, but they were definitely leaky at times, and they were inconsistent, and you didn't see quite as much pressure on Desmond Ritter as you wanted to. Only three sacks on the day for the Bucks, and then, of course, a couple of really close turnovers. There was the Antoine Winfield interception that they ruled incomplete. Um, there was that, you know, red zone interception by Carlton Davis, which for a while, again... I think is one of the biggest plays of the game because that kept the Bucks in the game way longer than they deserve to be throughout those first three quarters. Um, yeah. You know, like the defense Absolutely. came through and they made big plays today. But aside from that, I would say they were underwhelming. Same with the offense. They came through, they made big plays today, but outside of the big plays, it seemed like they were massively underwhelming. But I will say, we'll talk about the run game here as we get a little more into the offense. Rashad White and Chase Edmonds today on 33 carries combined for 142 yards. It really did not feel like the Bucks were running the ball that effectively today with all the three and outs they had. Well, you're right. They didn't run it effectively all day. It was really the second half of the game where the run game, they see, it almost seemed like they couldn't stop the run game after uh, with the young man's streets. I think once he went out hurt, then we were able to move the ball on the ground after that. But we, it was like we couldn't get anything done and, and I mean, Atlanta, they're just chunking the ball up to London, I mean, repeatedly. And I'm like, okay, if you're telling me that defenses are taking Evans out of the game, why aren't we snatching a page out of their book and shutting down their number one receiver? Why is it that, that Ritter's throwing the ball all over the field 
and keeps hitting London for big plays. But Mike Evans is, uh, what did he have, three catches today? Yeah, I think two or three catches uh, for Mike Evans today. No, only one catch for yeah, eight yards. Was, yeah. and, it, and it wasn't until the third quarter uh, that he got that catch on a slant route. Wow. And they were trying they were trying so hard to get the monkey off of their back from not getting God with the ball. Yeah. But you can't force it to him. And and he made a couple of uncharacteristic drops as well. And we're fighting. We're in the thick of things, but it doesn't look good, I tell you. And I'm I don't know what we're gonna do next week in Green Bay. Yeah, hey, we're in it till we're not, man. So it's gonna be an interesting game next week. It'll be cold up there in Lambeau, but uh I don't know. Hopefully we come out victorious. It's not over till it's over, but we appreciate your call, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one, man. You too. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about the offense today before we take this next call. Oh, just kidding. He, uh, he, he left. So okay. I guess we don't have to take that call. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit more about the offense today because yeah, when you pull up the box score and you go through and you look at the receiving numbers, Chris Godwin, your leading receiver on the day, five catches, for 53 yards. Now, I think he had well over eight targets today, close to 10, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Baker was either off target or it was just a drop or a good defensive play by the uh, defensive back for Atlanta. Their secondary was pretty stout today. I will say uh, they gave the Buccaneers some problems. And, and, you know, the caller had talked about it too. They, they did a good job of neutralizing Mike Evans today. One catch for eight yards after the productive week he had last week against Carolina. I was talking a lot of talk on the game preview show, and I said, hey, Mike Evans is a guy that gives A.J. Terrell problems, and today that did not <laughs> seem to be the case. But you look a little more at what they were trying to do on offense. They did come out firing to Chris Godwin. It seems like they were force-feeding him. And when your leading receiver only has 53 yards and your quarterback has 144, he goes 14 for 29 passing. I mean, outside of what the run game did today, probably their most effective day running the football, Rashad White, 25 carries, 102 yards, averaging over four yards a toad, I think for the first time in a game this season, aside from when he had 100 100 yards on 15 carries not that long ago. And then Chase Edmonds, really good running the football today in a rotational position, 40 yards on eight carries, averaging five yards a toad. So we, we talk about the offense stepping up and making big plays when they needed to, but Outside of that, man, you know, all around, they were underwhelming today. Yeah, no, and we had a five-hour super chat uh, from Amazement717. Said, glad I took Godwin prop targets today. Targets over receptions since Baker is inaccurate at times, despite final throw, of course, LOL. Yeah, I mean, thanks for the $5 super chat there, Amazement. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, we knew that they were going to try and get Godwin involved for sure. And and it felt like, I mean, I think the over-under was set at four and a half receptions, so it sounded like you would have hit that anyway. So, um, but, and and including the biggest one being in that last one. And, uh, you know, David Cardona, even in the chat, was saying, uh, this game felt like the Wario meme. I've won, but at what cost? Uh, Evan made great points about how the team would be better long-term if they lost and with how they barely won. I have to agree there. So, I mean, you know, it's not, you know, I know there's a lot of people who I think feel the same way. And look, we can have that that discussion, um, you know, about things that didn't happen in the game, but sort of 
long term, I, I, I guess. Um, but I, I thought, yeah, the running game was uh, the entire offense was pretty much underwhelming until the last little bit there. Uh, I mean, basically, they in the first half, they basically scored three points because Carlton Davis basically set them up for a touchdown. Like they scored three points on the opening drive. Carlton Davis set them up for a touchdown. If that doesn't happen. They're probably not scoring a touchdown. And then and then they had the, the, the freaking safety. So like that's, tw- you know, 12 points. They only really scored three. You know, and then their their touchdown, you know, to Rashad White there. Um, and then obviously, you know, we were able to move the ball. Um, and, and we will uh, you know, we will have to wait and see uh you know what type of offense shows up next week. And uh, again, you, you hope it's it's gotta be better though, in the first half, especially then because you're gonna be playing better talent, you're gonna be playing better competition. And Atlanta's offense, Desmond Ritter struggled all day long. We'll get into the, the defensive side of things in a little bit, but um, you know, there's a lot of people who are talking about obviously Tubbles, about Baker Mayfield. Um and like I, I get it. Now, does this mean they're out of the woods? No. Like, do I think I think there's a good chance that whoever won this game was going to win the NFC South? Uh, I still, obviously, if the Bucks would have lost, it would have been over for the Bucks. Um, but I, I, you know, they're not out of the woods yet, right? That PFF thing that I said on the game preview had them an eight percent chance with a loss. So we had them a 52% chance with a win. So we're still like almost 50-50. Like they're not completely safe from the, you know, and making the playoffs yet. And I know some people are going to be a little upset. Oh, you know, is Todd Bowles back or Baker Mayfield back? Like we'll see, you know, but like that, that that's still a little ways away. He's still got four games. I mean, if they lose all four games here, like, this game doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, like if they lose the final four games or even lose the next three or whatever, like the game really doesn't matter then. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see what type of team shows up. And that's, I think, the frustrating part is you don't know week to week what type of offense you're going to have, what type of defense you're going to have. I actually, I mean, the box score shows like a little bit better, but I actually didn't think the Bucks defense was that great today. I think it's more of a sign of just bad quarterback play by Atlanta. And like we, we talked about, you know, on the game preview show, we mentioned it and um, we even mentioned it. You mentioned it before we started recording. You're like, yeah, if they would have had Taylor Heineke in this game. Like I like the Falcons might have won. Like, yeah. like the Falcons might have won. Like Desmond Ritter was that bad. Like outs. I mean, r- literally that Drake London catch outside of that. Like if the, that ridiculous catch doesn't happen, like I don't think Atlanta scores a touchdown there. Like I, I really don't. So um uh, they're good. The offense will have to be better because they're not going to be playing offenses that are, you know, as poor as Atlanta, you know, Green Bay and Jacksonville both both have better offenses, uh, but they got the job done. We'll get to some more callers here shortly talking some more about the offense and we'll put a bow on it with this, you know, multiple chances today to put Atlanta away. I, I mean, you're up two possessions in the second half. One more touchdown. It's over. It, it, that's that's what it boils down to. And there's been multiple times this season where this offense has been playing from ahead and you have a chance to go out there, get one more touchdown, one more big play and just put this team away. And obviously it came down to a last minute, you know, uh, desperation play from the Falcons, which they were what? 10 yards away from scoring. I mean, they had 75 yards to go and they made it over halfway there. If they were playing for a field goal, this game would have gone to overtime. Like the defense was leaky today on, on, on that final drive there. Yeah, the Falcons got the ball down to like the four. 
Yeah. 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 Closer, like, closer. If, if, if they were, if they were sitting in like the 20 yard line, it would have been a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, so, but I do, interesting. but I do want to talk about the offense. And this is the last thing I'll say before we take some more calls. I want to get your take on it. Play calling situational play calling tendencies by this coaching staff. First and foremost, the first drive of the game, the bucks come out. They are rolling multiple first downs targeting Chris Godwin. Baker's playing well starts the game. I think four for four passing, uh, mm-hmm. looks good. They come up on a, what is it? Fourth and two, fourth and one fourth Baker and, yeah. is begging Todd Bowles to go for it. They cut the camera over to Baker Mayfield and he's saying, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then he yeah, clearly yeah, gets yeah. frustrated when they get pulled off of the field. Whoa, I'm almost locked. Yeah, the you're, you're getting off frustrated too. Yeah. I was frustrated too. I, I was <laughs> frustrated because again, I've, I've gone on a rant about this before, but Todd Bowles to me, has not decided how aggressive he wants to be as a head coach. When it's four down territory and you go for it, that's one thing. But I like the momentum on that opening drive for the Bucks. I like the field position. I like that they only needed one or two yards. Like, I, I thought the offense was in a good enough position to make the conversion there. And we saw Atlanta do it when they had the ball. They were in the same exact position where they were in similar field position later in the game. I think it may have been the very next possession for them. And they had a fourth and one. A little play action rollout to the tight end. Dink it, it's complete conversion. So, on top of that, there's the other fourth down conversion. Or the only other one that they tried. It was, what, fourth and three. And this one frustrated me the most because we we talk about... Well, are you talking about the the toss play? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, I am. Yes, I (laughs) I am. I think that was fourth and one, too. Or fourth and two. It was fourth and three because it was second and one. And we threw the ball 35 yards downfield. And then it was third and one, and Rashad White could not pick up a single yard. He actually got stuffed behind the line of scrimmage. So then it was fourth and three. And I don't know why out of the shotgun, a toss play to the left is the best thing we have in our bag of tricks. But that is just another conversion attempt where we seemingly pull out the worst possible play call I've ever seen. I I mean... Am I overreacting or was that just, I mean, it was, it was awful, right? No, no. Yeah, that was, that was bad. And I thought Dave Canales is, I thought the, it's, and we're not, I'm not trying to be as down as maybe I even want to be, especially like last week, like we said multiple times, like it felt like, like if you listen to the podcast, you would have thought the Bucks lost, right? Because of how we were talking and stuff. Um, But like, yeah, like the offensive game plan, the offensive play calling was not very good today either. Like I, I don't know how the Bucks won this game. If you want me honest, like they lost this game because I guess Atlanta is just a tad more incompetent. Like you know, and honestly, the same could could have been said from Atlanta's point of view. Week seven, because Atlanta had three turnovers in that game, right? Desmond Ritter had three red zone turnovers in that game, and Atlanta still won. So Atlanta could have been thinking the same exact thing there. And um, yeah, no, but that that fourth down call. The one to Rashad White is yeah brutal. Um, the the don't go f- to not go for on fourth down. That's a Todd Bowles call, and that's look man. Like I, I've talked about it, how I think it's you know I'm not you know, obviously not rooting for them to lose. And again, I preface this with saying it is two different things to root for them to lose versus acknowledging that it's probably best for them to lose, like best for them long term. It's two different things, and I just don't know like. This is that's who he is, you know, like 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 that is that is who he is. That's the type of head coach he is. And looks like he might be getting a, yet another year in Tampa Bay. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I, again, they're not out of the woods yet. They haven't you know clinched a playoff spot. But um, 
yeah, it, it is frustrating because even though, sure, you have faith in your kicker, but like, dude, yeah, go for it. Like, it's it was like fourth and basically inches. Like, I I just I don't understand why you weren't going for that. Uh, in that spot to set the tone on the opening drive. You could have scored a touchdown, started off a seven instead of three. I mean, and, you know, 57 yards. Chase McLaughlin has been fantastic. But that is not a, a gimme field goal for anybody. 57 yards. If he misses that, it's a completely different game. I mean, it is a completely different game right out of the gate. So, uh, yeah, you should have been more aggressive there, especially in a game of this magnitude. But that's the type of head coach he is. And, look, he's not going to change. Like, that's just how it is. Third down efficiency was awful today. Uh, Six for 16 on third down. And that's why I felt like the Bucs just constantly were facing three and outs. And in the second and third quarter, it's when everything slowed to a halt. There, there wasn't a lot of production. You, you did get some meaningful carries from Rashad White and Chase Edmonds, especially when Edmonds was getting hot there in the second half. But it just nothing felt effective. Nothing felt like it was creating the distance that it needed to uh, on the offensive side of the ball there in those key quarters. Also, only one sack allowed today by the Bucks. Baker's probably lucky it wasn't more. I, I thought he was playing in... You know, he, he was showing, he, he held the ball. He held he the was, ball for too long. He was showing that hesitancy in the pocket where he doesn't want to pull the trigger and he ultimately just puts himself in danger. You know, that pocket collapses, you only have so much time. When you hold on to the ball for longer than 3 seconds, I don't know many good things that are ha- uh, going to happen. But luckily he's shifty enough to get away from it and the Bucks only give up one sack on the day. Let's get to this caller. They've been on hold for a little oh. while. You're on the Can of Fire podcast. What's your name? Hey boys, this is Zach from Wisconsin. How are we doing? What's going on, dude? What's going How you on? doing? Oh, you know, just uh, watching the Rough Bucks team win win football games that they probably shouldn't. Yeah. Um, man, they they're putting me in kind of a rock and a hard place. I, I'm sure you guys feel similar, but um, it's it's tough watching this this team. I think like we're not winning games by winning games. We're winning games by having another team shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and it, it's it's tough to see. Um, I don't think that we're going to make the playoffs this year. At least I hope we don't. Um, I can't help but look forward to next year a little bit. I, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts. Like, are you kind of done with this football team? Are, are we just kind of holding out hope for a playoff push? I, I feel like we've all, everybody listening here knows what happens if we make the playoffs. Um, what's, what's, the, what's the best way forward here? Well, who do you who do you want to answer this first? It's going to be two different answers. So. Either either fine. I'll uh, I'll keep my answer short because I know Evan's been waiting to talk about this for a while, and I'm glad you brought it up. You know, I, I say that as long as the Bucks have something to play for, I'm going to root for them to win. I've said it before; they are not an organization who has a legacy of winning. They do not have a history of being a winning franchise. Still, after 40 plus years, they have the worst winning percentage in NFL history. You know, they don't have the longest losing streak in NFL history anymore. I do not believe. I think the Browns passed them a couple of years ago, luckily. So 0-26 is no longer the worst losing streak in NFL history. But I want to see this team in the postseason. Even if it means they get shellacked in the first round. Even if it means we get another year of Todd Bowles. You know, I... I uh, Todd Bowles has really tried my patience this year. Don't get me wrong. I, and I and I will acknowledge that if they were to lose every game, it probably would be best for the franchise moving forward. But one of the things that we have not seen 
is consistency with a coaching staff in Tampa Bay. And I know Todd Bowles has been here as a coordinator for a couple of years under Arians, and he got the job under very weird circumstances. But I said it at the beginning of the year, and at the end of the year, I think once the dust settles and we're not all emotionally charged anymore, we can kind of say, like, listen, if the Bucs make the playoffs two years in a row, it's going to be hard to justify canning a coach who made the postseason two years in a row. Oh, regardless of if it's because the division is ass bucket or not, I just, I, I, I'm not saying that there's more pros than cons to keeping Todd Bowles, but as long as they have something to play for, I will be invested. Um, and, and what I saw today was not a playoff football team. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to make excuses for this team. I'm not going to make excuses for Baker Mayfield's quarterback play, but when you are known league wide for just losing, uh, the more postseason appearances you can get, the better, in my opinion. Even if that means continuity with a staff whose ceiling might be, oh, shit, man. Maybe at this point, year two in this offense, eight, nine, ten wins on the season at most. But I know Evan, you know, his perspective is is very different, and he'll probably dive a little bit more into uh, why the loss to, or I'm sorry, why the win today may have been more of a loss <laughs> for the Bucks. Um. Yeah, well, one, one, really quick, uh, if Todd Bowles, let's say they make the playoffs, right? Um, and I, I, you know, I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said they're not winning these games. It's the other opponent chew themselves in the foot. It's not them taking control of the football game. And like they, like they did against the Saints earlier in the year, you know, 26 to nine. That's winning a football game right there, right? You'd feel much better about this team if they blew out Carolina last week and they handled business today against Atlanta. They won by 10, 14 points, you know, um, even if it's a seven point game, but like they're in control the entire time. They're, they're winning games in spite of playing poorly not not because they're forcing the other team to play poorly is because their their opponents just aren't taking advantage of it and i mean the the vikings you know the, the vikings had three red zone turnovers in week one in the first half and the buccaneers only won by three so it, it takes a lot for the bucks to win um i don't think you're alone in thinking that the bucks won't make the playoffs like i don't think they're out of the woods with that here's my thing and you talk about a winning culture Okay, oh, you need to establish a winning culture, a winning culture. Is a winning culture, you know, being under 500, only making the playoffs because your division is terrible, and then if your culture's that, right, and then then you get knocked out in the first round, you get beat by 20 in the wild card round, if that's your culture, I don't want it. You know, if if that's what you, you think is a winning culture, to me that's not a winning culture. Okay, to me you went from going 13 and 4, and winning the NFC South, be shellacking the Eagles in the wild card round, losing a tough one to the Rams who won the Super Bowl, to all of a sudden making the playoffs with a most likely under 500 record for the second straight season and most likely getting shellacked in a playoff game for the second straight season. Yes, Todd Bowles would have made the playoffs for a second straight season as head coach. Yes, he would win the NFC South for a second straight season as head coach. Yes, it would maybe be tough to fire them at the same time. The Glazer family fired Tony Dungy after he made the playoffs three years in a row because they could tell the team wasn't going anywhere with Tony Dungy there, right? They felt like the team wasn't heading in the right direction. And to me, that's why I don't think Todd Bowles, then there's some who think, oh, he needs to make the playoffs, you know, stuff like that or whatever. If, you know, no matter what happens in that playoff game, he's safe. 
I think that to an extent, I think of that playoff game is like 34 to 10, 35 to 13, 35, 14. I don't, I don't think he's safe. Like, I really don't. I just, if they go out and, and they aren't even competitive against these playoff teams, where's the progress, you know? And I think that's where you said, you know, stuck, you know, it, it's a rock in a hard place. It really is for a lot of fans because the same time you want to win and I get it right. Fans always are going to want to win. But they also, it, it's in the back of your mind that you're like, you know what? Like for the next, for right now, okay, it feels good. But for three, four years, you know, five years down the line, are you going to be looking back at a game like this? If the Falcons end up picking a, a Jaden Daniels or a Michael Penix Jr. and they turn into a star and the Bucks are sitting there five years from now having to deal with uh, Jaden Daniels being a Pro Bowl quarterback in their division, you're going to be looking at that game saying, man, that could have been the Bucks, you know, and now the, here, here the Bucks are stuck sort of in the same spot they've been. So um, I just don't. Personally, I I would fire Todd Bowles no matter what. That's my personal opinion. I just I don't think they're going anywhere with him. He's had one winning record his entire career as head coach, and that was his first ever season as head coach at the New York Jets. It was ten and six. Ever since that, he's been under five hundred every single season. Um, and I just I just don't see the progress there. So I'd fire Todd Bowles, uh, even if you make the playoffs and go from there. But uh, you know, I appreciate the call and appreciate the the perspective because it's it's nice to you know get somebody else's perspective on this. Um, because I know you're not alone in that feeling. Absolutely. Um yeah, I think you hit the nail nail right on the head there. Um I mean if you look back all the way to week one, we beat Minnesota barely because they had what three turnovers a fumble and two picks three, three red zone um, turnovers in the first half yep yeah and that's all the way to the first game i think you go every single game this year and it's all the other team shot themselves in the foot and mm-hmm. we kept the ball we barely won out and that's just how the season goes i think if we i think at the beginning of the season before the season started we all looked and i think this is how everybody expected the season to turn out i think everybody wanted either like a three-win year or a 12 and four year if that happens, but we all thought that, hey, seven, eight wins is probably going to happen. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's just. Which, which to me, that would be, that would be fine. Seven, eight wins would be fine if you're looking good in those seven, eight wins, right? Like right. if you're like Carolina, they won last week. That didn't feel like a win. You know, like like that no. that didn't that didn't feel like a I win. Mean, even even you today, know? even today, we're sitting here having this conversation about how we we feel okay about the win, but in the long run, it didn't look like they were able to convince anybody today that they are no. going to be a playoff team if they win the division. So there's, these there's wins, no way. Rhett's one of the most optimistic people you're going to find. He don't think they're winning the wild card round. I can tell you that. Yeah, right I mean, these wins don't leave you feeling better about the fate of the team. I will say that, and that's what's kind of odd about this season because the way that these wins are coming about we just talked about how you're relying on these other teams to shoot themselves in the foot and luckily they can take advantage when they need to but when they've had to be the better team they haven't been able to do it when they have played stiffer competition they haven't been able to do it it's just it's it's very odd because at the beginning of the year as well I said this and I I think we could go back and probably find it on the on the podcast uh, as far as Baker Mayfield, my expectations for him this year, I said, if you can finish, I mean, realistically, I, I picked them to go, what, Evan, 7-10 and 10 this year? 8-9? and yes, nine? Yes. Yeah, 7-10 seven seven and, ten and ten. was my official prediction. I think their ceiling, I had them at about 9 wins. But 
I thought coming into the year, if you could get around eight, nine wins and Baker Mayfield finishes with 26, 27 touchdowns and 10 to 12 interceptions, I said that would be a win. Now, the way that the wins on the season have come about have definitely shifted my perspective, but my prediction at the beginning of the season was 7-10 and and Baker Mayfield having an average year. You know, 26-27 touchdowns, which I think he's still on pace for, and he's got, what, eight interceptions after the game today, so he still could finish with 10-12. to But one of the better statistical careers he has had, but I still don't know why I feel so underwhelmed based off of of, of what we've seen. here's, Here's the thing. All right, the Buccaneers have six wins, correct? Okay. Of those six wins, five of those teams that they have beaten are scheduled to pick in the top 12 of the draft. Okay. Three of those teams are scheduled to pick in the top 10. Yeah, like we've seen what happens when they play Philly, when they play San Francisco, when they play Detroit. Like we've seen what happens. You know, and it's that's why I get Bucks fans' frustrations here. Next year could be the same exact thing. And you know what's going to happen if they play if they win the NFC South next year? You're also playing again, just like this year. You're going to be playing a first place schedule again. So that means instead of the Rams or the Seahawks, you're playing the 49ers again. You know, in, instead of playing the Vikings or the Packers, you're playing the Lions again. It's going to be the same exact thing. So that's why I get that the fans that want to move on, I, I completely understand. And I also, I think you might get your wish. Because look, there's no guarantee they make the playoffs. But even if they make the playoffs, I don't think Todd Bowles' job is completely safe. Zach, final thoughts before we let you go. Yeah, I just got one more question for you. Um, I'll be at the uh, Packers game next week. Awesome. Um, I got a prime seat right right behind the, the goal post. Is the state of the team bad enough? Do I need to bring the paper bag? No, <laughs> no, come on, um, we're fresh off. I, the- I, I, I'd keep back. it in the back. Keep it in the back pocket. How about back that? to that, back? That was the plan. Back, back to pocket, back wins, and we're done in the paper back, bag. Back pocket. Back pocket. Back pocket. Listen, if it's if it's thirty to nothing if we're by twenty one nothing by halftime, that thing back, goes back, on. Yeah, for sure. the bag yeah. goes on. Yeah, and and, and you got to keep your face warm too, so that'll help. Yeah, give it till halftime. Oh, right. I was yeah. gonna say I can't justify bringing the paper bag when you're fresh off of two division wins, but. If it's an absolute shellacking by halftime, because it's going to be a tough place to play. So if that's the case, then uh, maybe they'll make some moves out of you. Matt Matt LaFleur has never lost a game uh, in Green Bay in the regular season in the month of December. So, Oh, man. All right. Well, I will I will bring it for the back pocket. Maybe I'll, I'll write a little message for you guys on there. All right. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, take, take a picture, send it to us. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Maybe you'll get on TV. Right, we'll do. Today. It took, and I explained this to you earlier before we, you know, hit record. What did it take for the Buccaneers to win a game by four today? It took a safety, an interception, a quarterback that missed multiple throws, also missed a touchdown on his first drive. It took one of the better field goal kickers in the NFL making two kicks he normally makes, all to win by four points. It's just, you know, for them to beat the Vikings, it took... Three red zone turnovers on one half of football and a 57-yard field goal to beat the Vikings. It took a pick six by a defensive lineman to beat the Bears. It's just, there's so many things that have to go right for this team to win, and it's just not sustainable. It's just, it's simply not sustainable. Will you win some? Yeah, obviously, we see that. But, like, long-term, 
it's not sustainable. And that's why, like, do I expect them to beat the Packers? No. Do I expect them to beat the Jaguars? No. The next game, I think they can realistically win is the Saints. And honestly, I just, the Saints look bad, sure. But like, and they blew that game open against Carolina, but they were struggling for a good bit of that game. Uh, but again, it's sort of flipped now, right? Do I really see the Bucks sweeping the Saints? Just like how, like, when I picked the Bucks to beat the Falcons, I was like, I just can't see the Falcons sweeping the Bucks. Can I see the Bucks sweeping the Saints again for a second straight year after the Saints have had such, uh, you know, their number? I don't know. Like, like I don't know. So, um, to me, it just it, it takes so much for the Buccaneers. So much has to go their way for the Bucks to win. That and just like that, that Rashad White fumble, this game could have been done right there. If there's a clear, that ball was out, and I, I didn't think the ball was out initially. I was like, oh, okay, it's just that ball was out. I was and that was a fumble. I was convinced that's how how they were going to lose it. You know, I I full on expected this game to somehow be just a heartbreaking loss. You know, when uh, what was it? Drake London came down with it inside the five yard line on the last play of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, my heart sank. I it just it felt like. They were one catastrophic play away from either going to overtime or you know, yeah, realistically. And, and, and to me, and and here's here's the other one more thing, and then we'll we'll get back to the defense and the actual game because I don't want to spend the entire time um, talking about this, and and we can actually talk about this. We're actually having a special show tomorrow. Uh, which is a special guest who I'm not going to reveal who it is. Um, they've been on the show before, but uh, we will be talking with that special guest about not necessarily about this game, but about the state of the team and where they should go moving forward. Um, so basically, I just I think next year, right when you're looking at this fan base. Heading into next season, right? Let's say the Bucks go eight and nine or seven and ten. Let's say they go seven and ten, miss the playoffs, you keep top balls. Let's say they go eight and nine, make the playoffs, but you get bounced in the first round. What is getting the fans excited for next season? What is there to get excited about heading in the training camp with Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield and essentially a very similar roster? Like what potentially, by the way, maybe without Mike Evans, maybe without Levante David, what would get the fans excited for this team next year? If they were to basically tread water, you know, I just, to me, if you're in the middle, you're, you're last basically, you know, the Ricky Bobby thing. If you're not first, you're last. No, if if you're in the middle in the, in, in sports, if you're in the middle, you're, you're in, in, you're last, you know, because it is no man's land. You're not high enough in the draft to get a difference maker, but you're also not good enough to win anything serious in the playoffs. And right now, that's where the Bucks could could end up. I mean, they, they really could end up. And I'm not trying to be, and I think Amazement even said it, it's not negativity, it's it's honesty. Yeah, it's like, just I'm, being re- I'm, I'm being honest with you guys. Yeah, and, and that's all we've wanted to do since we started this podcast. I know we've said it a bunch of times, but... You want to be as realistic as possible. Like, I love to come on here and be positive, but I'm not going to be one of those people who denies the fact that the Bucks missing the playoffs is probably going to better their chances at potentially getting their next quarterback. I don't know if another year of uh, Baker Mayfield or even another year of just a stopgap free agent quarterback is going to be what takes this team to the next level, especially when you talk about the young roster that they're building around now and then, of course, the guys like Mike Evans who... You still want to maximize the years you have left. I, I think the Bucks get an extension done with Big Mike after this season. 
But what does that extension look like? Three, four more years? Yeah. You know, you're going to want to make but again, sure. But, 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 if, but let's say they don't, though. Right. You know, l- 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 how, how Then if you keep Todd Bowles, keep Baker Mayfield, and Mike Evans walks, how are you going to get anybody excited about this team next year? Like, what are you doing in the offseason that's going to get anybody excited about this team? Yeah, there's a majority. I, I'd say the vast majority of the fan base, closer to over 60%, would prefer Todd Bowles not be back as head coach next season. So it's going to be and interesting. I, and I can tell you right now, if it's given the choice between Mike Evans and Todd Bowles, 100% would say Todd Bowles goodbye. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. Let's talk about the defense real quick before we take our final call of the show. I wanted to talk about the positive. There were a lot of breakdowns today that we have not seen in the past. Uh, kind of an up and down day. Talked about how they were leaky, but they made the plays that they needed to. And honestly, they made the plays that kept the Bucks in this game. So hats off to Carlton Davis. He had a strong... hats off to Desmond Ritter too. Yeah, I mean hats off to Desmond <laughs> Ritter, but hats off to Carlton Davis. And honestly, hats off to Zion McCollum. I know a couple of plays mm-hmm. he got picked on, but I thought both of those corners in the absence of Demel Jean. Uh, Carlton Davis has been playing great since he came back from that injury and Zion McCollum uh, had to bounce back from his performance last week, but he he was great today. Led the team in tackles. Yeah, I actually thought McCollum was better than Davis today. I know Davis had the interception, but also had the hands of the face, which wiped out an interception by Antoine Winfield, who Antoine Winfield probably has fallen that pits touchdown, but yeah. bounced back obviously with the, the, the safety. Um, and it w- would have been an interception, uh, would have been his second, straight week with an interception. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I thought that, that, again, it's tough to evaluate this defense completely because I do think, like, Desmond Ritter bailed him out sometimes, man. Like, he definitely did. And Jordan Love has been playing fantastic football. Yeah. Then you got Trevor Lawrence, who I know he's a little bit banged up, but he's still Trevor Lawrence. Lost to the Browns today. Um, yeah, yeah I know. But the Browns have a decent defense, though. Like, the Browns' defense is is pretty decent. Well, the Browns um, are a team that all season, and not to make this a Browns show, but I'll just say this. The Browns are a team all year that we have said most people have said. Oh, no, that's said, fine. The, the, the chat's talking about the Browns enough. So. Yeah, well, most people have said the Browns are a QB away from being a decent football team, and it looks like Joe Flacco, even though he did have the pick today. He's okay. elite, so. He's still, he's, still, he's still got a little bit of that magic at 38 years old. Look at Flacco he's, go, he's elite. And, and, I mean, and it was a close game. I mean, 31-27. Lawrence threw three picks, but threw three touchdowns. Um, so, I mean, you know, and, like, Derek Carr. I don't think Derek Carr is very good anymore, but he's better than Desmond Ritter. Like, I think he's better than Desmond Ritter. Uh, Nicholas Rodriguez with a two-hour super chat says McCollum is better than Dean. Uh, you know, definitely, I think... I don't know. I think he's like, had a better season. It had a better season. Again, we we I bring up that point, right? There's a difference between a player, a good player playing bad and a bad football player. There's a difference. There's a big difference. And I think what you've seen with Dean and what you saw with Davis at times this year was good football players playing bad. Uh I think that that is a a big difference and um you know, I just the defense did their job. But Desmond Ritter definitely bailed him out. I mean, he definitely bailed him out. And also, one more thing, and I hate to end it with a negative note, but man, this pass rush sucks. I mean, th- I understand you're without Vita Vea. I they, get it. They, but dude, the Falcons were down like four offensive linemen, and Ritter still had all day to throw. Like, did Shaq Barrett play today? Like, I mean, what's what's he doing? He might just be cooked. 
I, I agree. It, it was yeah. incredible. No, he well might just it be cooked. Like, like, it felt like they should have been all over Ritter. It, it really did. Because, again, you mentioned the four backup offensive linemen and just how time and time again he had so much time to throw. Like, the blitz wasn't even really getting there either. And you've invested. You invested a first-round pick in Joe Trinshawinka. Oh, you invested, God. Let's, let's talk about you, that, too. You, you, you invested <laughs> uh, so much money into Shaq Barrett. I mean, Kalaji Kansi played decent today. Yeah, Diaby didn't really do much, but those guys are rookies. You know, you paid anything else in a good chunk of change. Where are these guys? Yeah, you know, where, 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 where are you guys? I mean, uh, yeah, I this pass rush, and yeah, we can talk about Joe Chinchwanka because he, I missed on him. He is a bad football player. Um, on that Desmond Ritter touchdown, I don't know what he's doing. And also, pretty, and I understand, it, but hindsight, I would have been right. Um, Pretty dumb by Ritter to score there, but just saying, because you could have gotten the first down without getting the touchdown. Would have ran off more ran clock, off more clock, yeah, the bucks and then you would have scored. Yeah, so, but I, I'm never gonna fall. It's tough for a player to. If I'm in the moment too, I'm probably taking the touchdown as well. But, um, yeah, Joe Trishawinka is. Uh, he's not gonna be like he's not gonna be off the team next year. Like, he's gonna be on the roster, but I yeah, he's not gonna be a starter for this team next year. No, he, he's not. He's already been d- uh, jumped in the depth chart by rookie Yaya Diaby, who, again, didn't have the best day today, but he, he's a rookie, and he's not going to blow up the uh, off of the depth chart like he has every week because he is playing far ahead of schedule. But JTS got his lunch money taken on that one. KJ Britt also had a pretty strong day. Did not see a lot of Servasier Dennis out there, if at all. Uh, so you got a handful of KJ Britt after leaving the game due to injury last week. He was great. Eight tackles today, uh, lining up next to Levante David. They were a one-two punch, and I like the hustle that I saw from Britt. Let's get this call out of the way real quick. Our final call of the show. Really quick, they don't They don't have to play Devin White. They don't have to, they we'll, don't we'll talk about that up? here in a second, but you're on the show. What's your name? Hello? What's up? It's Corey from Nashville, guys. How you doing? Corey, what's up, what's Corey? up dude? What's up, man? Um, that's my uh, one-year-old's first game in person. We, we drove up to uh, drove down to Atlanta and come to the game. Um, the atmosphere was amazing. Um, you know what Canales reminds me of? Y'all, y'all know that baby toy where you got the square, the triangle, and the circle? Uh, he he really tried to put that square in the circle. Like, and hey, the peg, I, it, the little wooden peg for it. Yes, hey, yes, I mean, like, we're pegging around hole, man. Hey, if you're talking about the run man, game, he, though, today, you can't argue with the results. 142 yards on the ground and 33 carries, if that's what you're let, referring to. Let, let me... Let me okay. All right. No, no, no. Here, here's the thing about the run game, though. I don't, that second half offense, I, we we got a little, we got going later in the game, but that was some of the worst football I have ever seen. Like from both teams. Yeah. At one point, yeah, there was five possessions. There was five possessions in the third quarter, and only six minutes went off the clock. Five possessions. Both teams had the ball, and we were getting yeah. our third. We were going, on, we were going on six possessions in one quarter and six minutes off the clock. Yeah, three I think it was it was late. It was late in the third quarter, and both teams combined had a total of three first downs <laughs> in the like, quarter. Like, it, it was it was crazy, but 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 how often, as a Bucks fan in the last few years, even Tom Brady's couple years or three years, have we been really poor at running the ball? I kind of feel like Canales is changing a mentality within our offense, and I think I might have been too hard on because 142 rushing, and it looks schematically 
Like, we didn't get a touchdown on that drive when Mike Evans' hand touched out of bounds, but that was a put-the-game-away drive. Yeah. Yeah, they, they uh, warmed down. Uh, yeah, we, we warmed down running the ball, and Baker made some good throws. And, and I got to touch on Baker. Um, he's, he's been a professional. Like, no, no matter what you think about him, I don't think he's been that good. I think he's been pretty average, which is fine because we pay $4 million. He's been his paycheck, let me say that. But um, he is a professional. And I got to give him credit for remaining professional through that game. That, that game had ebbs and flows. But when his number was called, he made some really good throws in that fourth quarter. Like, even on the drive where Mike Evans' hands was out of bounds, mm-hmm. hand to hand fell out of bounds first. Because his foot, both feet did get in, but the hand touched first. It was, oh, it was so frustrating. But, but um, Baker made some throws. He stayed composed. He knew he wasn't having his best game. We all could see that. Come on, the whole world could see that. And but he stayed composed, and when it was time, he because that throw to Chris Godwin, if he's a little late on it, it's intercepted because he had to put just the right amount of touch for Chris to go get it and make that huge play on third and ten. And I got to give Baker a lot of credit, more credit than I have been doing in, in recent weeks. I mean, back-to-back games, they're division games. Falcons hadn't given up a touchdown in two games. We go in there and score three. We scored three touchdowns or four. Yeah, twenty-nine. Uh, I believe three. He he ran one in. K caught one. Yeah, three. We got three, and Rashad caught, and Rashad caught one. Mm-hmm. And we scored three touchdowns on a team that hadn't been giving up any. Um, and, uh, like I said, Canales, he's doing that peg hole. But I gotta look. I gotta look. I gotta. I gotta take it as a macro approach. You I gotta what? look at what he's trying to establish, like the identity he's trying to establish as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because Rashad White can do it all. I, He's amazing. Yeah, I wanna... and no, we don't. We don't have to play. We don't have to play Devin White. I didn't miss him. <laughs> Nobody missed him. I didn't even miss. I didn't even miss Dean. Not this version of last year's version of Dean would, would have been missed today. But this year's version, I don't. I, the, for what's he getting paid? Please give me give me Zion, KJ Britt, Savatier Dennis, and, and Levante. I, and schematically, I think we can hold our own. Just being honest. Talking about Canales really quickly before we dive into Devin White. You know, I I think one of the biggest things we can give Canales credit for this year is the emergence of Rashad White here in the second half of the season. I mean, we have seen steady progression, regardless of how stubborn they have been with the run game at times. The last two weeks is, I think, where we finally start seeing it pay off. You know, it's a big 25-plus yard run. He's on my fantasy team, so big, yes, big, big 25-plus yard run at the end of the game last week. I know it wasn't his most effective day running the football, but he won the game on offense last week for the Bucks. Big fourth-down conversion this week, takes the ball up the gut, gets the necessary yardage, and then again, his you talk about... was on third down. You talk about the Remember effectiveness. Yeah, you talk about the effectiveness of him and Chase Edmonds today. I, I know that there were a lot of three and outs, and we can talk about the underperforming offense today. But regardless, 142 yards on the ground between those two backs, I think, is the best day statistically they've had running the football. On top of the 31-yard uh, receiving touchdown that Rashad White had today, two catches for 33 yards, 135 yards from scrimmage today. Rashad White but Evan let's dive into this Devin White thing because this is the last point I want to make here with our buddy Corey on the phone we had this conversation on the game preview show oh he did well uh, (laughs) thanks for your call Corey Um, (laughs) what's the verdict we we, we talked about KJ Britt kind of stepping up and playing really well today Servassier Dennis last week was serviceable when he needed to be uh, put in an incredibly tough situation so now if you're the Bucks. After today, there's what four games left? Five yep. games left? Four games four. left. So, 
what do you do with Devin White, a guy who's going to be playing for a contract more than likely outside <laughs> of Tampa Bay, but a guy who was inactive today for another week in a row due to injury. I, I think he's got, what, two more games before the Bucks would have had to shut him down, put him on IR anyway. So his status kind of brought into question for another week in a row. Yeah, well, to me, I mean, you know, we didn't think that he was going to be back. I, I think, you know, I think me and you agreed on that, that he probably wouldn't be back in Tampa Bay. I think the way even freaking, you know, J.J. Russell last week, like the way these linebackers are playing who are replacing him, they're just playing better. Like there's no I only like there's like no shot. Devin White comes back at this point. Like I just I can't see it. Um, especially if they want to bring Levante David back now. If Levante David retires or says, look, I'm not coming back, maybe they make more of an effort to bring back Devin White because um, they want, you know, to keep one of their linebackers, not lose both of them. But um, I just, yeah, I don't see a way Devin White's back. Now, does he play again this season? Probably. I don't know about his status for this week. He didn't practice at all again this week, so it's not like he's, like, making progress or anything. So we'll see about him and Dean. But um, we'll have to wait and see about that. And, I mean, but, yeah, it's proving that, like, it kind of – are fine without him. So the Dean thing, I, I think, is a little bit different. Uh, I just think Jamel Dean is just a, again, I think he's a good player having a bad year. I just don't think Devin White's a very good football player. So to me, there's a big difference. Um, really quick, before we head out, I want to, uh, Millard Thomas uh, in the chat is really bringing up some good points. Uh, Gene, Merry Christmas to you as well. We won't get into any diehard uh, discussion here, uh, but I just, I don't really feel like talking action movies right now. Um, if you want to talk is it about because the it, it's because every time around this year, you know, you're wrong. You know, you're on the losing end of your argument. Yes, you are. I'm, I'm not. That's wrong. That's why you don't want to talk about it. You're just, just because you're just something occurs around a certain event does not make it that event. It, it doesn't. Let me hear it in the chat while we got 126 people hanging out with us. Is Die is every, Hard. Is every, is, is every football movie like a Halloween movie because Hard. it occurs in the fall? Is I, I want the chat to answer us now because this is out of our hands. We've been having this conversation for five, six years now on the podcast. I want to hear it in chat. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes or no? And then, Evan, I'll, I'll toss it back over to you. We'll uh, we'll wrap this thing up while they answer. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, Miller Thomas is bringing up uh, Carson Wentz. Um, actually, yeah, th- thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. Uh, c- yeah. Carson Wentz is a pretty good actually comparison for the people that aren't sold. Baker is back. Um, he, you know, bringing up that look, Carson Wentz made the playoffs with the Colts in his first year and then was gone um, because the Colts saw like, you know, Carson Wentz went nine and eight, uh, 3,600 yards, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions in, in, in Indy. And they made the playoffs. They lost in the wild card. And then he was, he was gone. Actually, no, they, they didn't make the playoffs. No, they lost Sorry. that they, last they, week to Jacksonville. Yeah, they did not make the playoffs. It was, but they it still, was yeah, win, they had a winning record. Yeah, they missed the playoffs. It was winning your um, in. And and that was the big thing of, around wins is that you look at the records that he had. You look at the, what, 27 passing touchdowns, seven interceptions. It looks like a solid year. It's a better year than Baker's having so far. Mm-hmm. But he was failing the eye test week in and week out. He sucked down the stretch for Indianapolis. And that's a big reason why they lost that game to Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and look, Baker's played better, you know, like, but at the same time, like, yeah, Baker Mayfield isn't out of the woods, and he also brings up, like, you know, the Eagles made the playoffs, and then in 2019, they made the playoffs, and then that 2020 draft, what'd they do? They, with Carson Wentz still on the team, they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. 
So, I, yeah, it's not and, – and Millard is bringing up a great point. You need a talented rookie quarterback on that rookie deal. That's so huge for team building. I mean, that is – and look, the Bucs don't have a lot of resources right now uh, devoted to the quarterback position as far as money goes because, I mean, they're only paying Baker Mayfield like $4 million. He might reach some incentives to get that number up a little bit. But, um, you know, if, if like last the last few years, obviously, with Brady carrying a, a big cap hit, they sure, you know, they they had a lot of resources there. But when you have that rookie quarterback on a contract for five years and he's he's a cheap, young, and talented, man, that makes your roster building just so much easier. And you can do, I mean, you can do all this fun stuff. The Dolphins had two on his rookie deal. He draft Jalen Waddle, he trade for Tyreek Hill. You know, it's it you can do a lot, a lot of fun. Fun stuff. Josh Allen. The Bills had Josh Allen on his rookie deal. They traded for Stephon Diggs. Like the Eagles had Jalen Hurts on his rookie deal. They traded for AJ Brown. Like you can do a lot of the fun stuff. Like the Bucks were constantly making moves in the offseason when Jameis Winston was on his rookie deal. You know, not they all didn't work out, but I mean you signed Brent Crimes, you signed Deshaun Jackson, like big money deals yep. here. You know, on like some of the top free agents because you have that flexibility. So um, I think that's definitely an advantage. And a lot of people are saying, you know, uh, talking about Jaden Daniels, and we'll get into that a little bit with our guest tomorrow about uh, some draft stuff. But that might give you a clue on who it is. But um, I don't at this point like. And again, this is going to anger a lot of people. Like you may be seeing Jaden Daniels in a Saints or Falcons uniform, like. I think there's a real chance because if the Bucs win the South, I just I don't see a way Jaden Daniels is ever gonna last to where the Bucs. I mean, he just won the Heisman last night. Like, I just don't see the a way that the Bucs are that he's gonna last to the one the Bucs are picking at 19 or 20, whenever that may be. Uh Michael Penix Jr. is probably more realistic, but he may even go before then. So um we'll see. I, I I'm not sold that Baker Mayfield nor Todd Bowles is back, but this type of win definitely helps. And I think this the type of win helps with Baker more even than Bowles, honestly. Bowles' defense still gave up a touchdown late in the game, right, to, for the Falcons to take the lead. That's not a great look for Bowles. But Baker was able to bounce back and, and lead the drive. So um, we will see uh, w- what happens. And Amazement says Saints would love Daniels. They would at the same time, though. I don't know if the Saints are picking a quarterback just because Still they got so a lot of money, money. devoted yeah. to Derek Carr. Like, there's a lot of money there. So, and I have to uh, assume, to be honest with you, if the Saints miss the postseason, I mean, Dennis Allen's got to be out of there, too, right? I, th- I think you're going to see Dennis Allen and Arthur Smith both fired. Um, probably Todd Bowles probably retained. And Atlanta with a new shiny quarterback and the Saints maybe with a new shiny quarterback, but if not a shiny quarterback, going to be adding a top 10, 12 talent in the draft. So, again, that's why I'm not going to sit here and blame anybody who's, you know, maybe not bummed, but who's like, man, like a loss wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world there for long term. One more stat on the day for you guys, courtesy of Greg Allman. The Bucks were outgained by the Atlanta Falcons today by 144 Again, yards. Just like our, our one of our first callers said. You know, I hate to, you know, keep cutting you off here, but I just, I got a lot to say. They're not winning these games because they're playing well. They're winning these games by the skin of their teeth. Like and it, and I understand like people are going to say, "Oh, stop whining about a win and stuff like that." And I get it, a win's a win. And in the NFL, it's tough to win. Right. And, and congratulations to all those players. Right. And, and coaches, because it is 
so difficult to win in the NFL and to win a game like that, right? That huge game there. But, like, they're not, like, that's why I still don't think, like, there still could be massive changes in the offseason. Because when you look at it, sure, like, if you're just looking at the box score and you're just looking at the final score and the wins and losses, it doesn't look that bad? No. But, like, if you watch the games, like, they're not playing good football. Like, they're not playing a brand of good football. So um, we will see uh, what happens. And, you know, a lot of people are saying about Trask, like, it just won the game, man. Like if 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 they would have lost, I we would may maybe be having a discussion about Kyle Trask. Because I think if they would have lost, they might have been able to be eliminated uh next week. I'm not sure, but obviously. Um and then yeah, I just again, that's why I'm not gonna sit here and blame anybody who maybe acknowledges that it's not so bad if they were to miss the playoffs and changes were to be made because maybe that's what needs to happen for changes to be made. You know, I mean, uh, there's no guarantee that Todd Bowles is fired. Like if, you know, if you're sitting here and you say, all right, yeah, you're going to go eight and nine this year, win the NFC South, lose 35 to 14 in the wild card round. And then next year, you're going to keep Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield. And next year you're going to go six and 11 and miss the playoffs. Would you take that, or would you rather miss the playoffs this year, get a Jaden Daniels in the draft, and then maybe still win, only win six games next year, but you have you know a rookie quarterback, an exciting young rookie quarterback to look forward to? I think a lot of Bucks fans would take the quarterback. I do. Well, as far as 2023 and the rest of that season goes, the Buccaneers are in it until they're not. So as of today... First place in the NFC South. They get the lead back in the division over the Atlanta Falcons. And you do have a tough game on the road next week against the Green Bay Packers, who have been yep. trending upwards. It's in Lambeau. It's in December. It's going to be cold as hell. But we'll see what happens. This team, I will say this. All right? And this is this is my final take on the subject. This team has surprised me once this season. And that was the 3-1 and one start when they surprised everybody. Now, did they fall off and prove that they're not going to be worth a damn come the postseason? Maybe. Maybe. Probably. Maybe. And I did discount my personal hope that they're going to be able to string some games together here at the end of the season, which I, I, I still do not think, in my optimistic heart, they're going to be able to win what? Two out of the last four well, games, really. Is yeah, what they l- have to do. let's take well, really quick, just right at the end do of the it. pod here. Do it. Obviously, we know who the Bucks have, right? Bucks have at Packers versus Jags in Tampa versus Saints in Tampa at Panthers. That's their final four games. The Falcons' final four is they play the Panthers in Carolina next week. They're home to the Colts. They play the Bears in Chicago, and then they finish up with the Saints in New Orleans. Then if you go over to, and we're not going to talk about the Panthers, obviously, there's no sense. Um, Then you go over to the Saints. They have the Giants in New Orleans. They travel to L.A. to play the Rams. They play the Bucks in Tampa, and then they finish out at home against Atlanta. So, yeah, I mean, well, you got to go to it. You got to have two wins. That's that's a minimum. Um, I mean, that is an absolute minimum. Because if if you go one and three, it, it doesn't matter. And... Dare I say, and and I caught some, actually, I texted somebody, not like a a source thing or anything, but just like talking to somebody and saying like, 
do these next two weeks really matter that much? Because like, I mean, you're focused on the division, you know what I right. mean? Right. That's you're like not... to me. I'm like, I'm like sitting there, and I'm like, the next, like, if they lose the next two, like, unless Atlanta were to win, unless Atlanta and New Orleans were to both win the next two, which I guess is possible. Like, Atlanta's playing Carolina next week. Atlanta's probably going to beat Carolina. Then Atlanta has Indy. Like, Indy's playing well, but they just got blown out today by Cincinnati. Like, Atlanta can beat Indy. Um, the Saints have. Um, the Giants and the Rams, the Saints could win those games, I guess. But like, feels like the last two games of the season are kind of going to be way more important than these next two. So we'll wait and see. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be telling how they play against you know two better football teams. I, I know Green Bay. A lot of people would say they're overrated, but they've been playing good football lately. They have been trending upwards ever since Thanksgiving when they kicked the shit out of the Lions. You know, not a lot of people saw that coming, and Jordan Love has been getting better every single week. So it's it, going to be a test. Kansas City, and like I know Kansas City ain't playing good football, but like who saw on, that? Man, like, who saw that coming? You know what I mean? I yeah. don't think anyone picked the Packers to win that week. And, and then, of course, Jacksonville. I think two weeks from now, if Trevor Lawrence was out there toughing it out today, I, I mean, he did throw three picks, but I feel like two weeks from now, that pain management issue isn't going to be as much of an issue as it was today. So if the Bucks can play well then I still like their chances going into those division games because you have to win it. You're playing for the NFC South. You're not playing for a wild card spot. You are playing for the division. And and for Todd Bowles and a lot of these guys, I mean, even Baker Mayfield, the quarterbacks we've had about the, uh, the conversations we've had about the quarterback. Good Lord. Starting to jumble my words up here. It's going to be important. But it's going to be incredibly telling how the Bucks play in these two games coming up. But ladies and gentlemen... I believe that's just about going to do it for this week's post-game episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you to everybody who listened live on YouTube and all of our people for calling in. Zach, Robbie, Corey, really do appreciate you guys and uh, look forward to hearing from you win, lose, or draw. We will be back with you live tomorrow for a special Victory Monday edition of the Cannon Fire podcast special guest. Yeah, I'm going to let you guess who it is. We've had him on quite a few times before. Uh, He's one of my favorite guests. I know he's one of Evan's favorite guests. We love talking ball with this guy, so it should be a really good show tomorrow as we forecast not only the rest of the regular season, but potentially the next few seasons for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got this week? Uh, yeah, obviously going to be probably doing the post-game reactions, uh, which basically just looking on Twitter, looking at some tweets and stuff and posting them. So it's like a compilation, uh, compilation, I guess you'd say, of uh, tweets throughout the game. And then obviously keep an eye on the Q&A with um, the uh, the the Packers SB Nation uh, site. I'm not 100% sure what the name of it is on top of my head, but I'll have that as well, as well as X Factor. So my X Factor this week was Baker Mayfield, and uh, I basically said, like, the biggest thing for Mayfield is protecting the football for the Bucks to win, and, and he did that. So we'll see who this week's X Factor is going to be. Last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter slash X at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Should be a good show. I am excited. We will be live. YouTube.com forward slash Canafire podcast right around 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is what I'm thinking. So keep an eye out. Should be a great discussion. Hope to have you tuned in. 
I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.